Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. The night before Christmas is one of those classic stories, and I think that one of the reasons it's so loved is it encapsulates how we feel before an event. Uh, That anticipation that we have before something big happens. Sometimes that feeling of anticipation is is almost impossible to deal with. I remember growing up in Florida in the 70s, uh, anytime my family would get to go to Disney, and I knew that the next day that I was going to Disney, I could not sleep. It was the most exciting thing in the world, just imagining uh, going on all those rides, eating the food, getting, wearing the little mouse ears. It was just such a fun uh, idea to me that I just could not sleep. Maybe in your life, you've had some kind of big event that the anticipation of it was almost unbearable, waiting for it to happen. Like I remember how I felt when I knew I was getting married. I could not wait that night. I could barely sleep. What are, what are we thinking about in those moments? We may go on YouTube and watch everything there is to watch about a, a vacation spot or the place that we're going to go. We may learn, read everything there is to read about it. But still, we get excited because we're wondering, what is it going to feel like to experience this myself? You can know everything, but that doesn't necessarily spoil it. I want to know what it's going to feel like to be in the moment. I remember when our, our daughter Mia was born. The feeling that I had anticipating, you know, what is what is she going to actually look like? What is it going to be like to hold her? Am I going to be a good dad? Is my, am I going to feel all this love? Like, what is it going to be like to, to hold my baby? I mean, that's just an incredible anticipation. What is it going to be like? That anticipation is important to dig into. I think that's what Christmas Eve is kind of about. It's, it's about thinking about What is it going to be like tomorrow? What's going to happen tomorrow? Is my uncle going to give me the same socks he's given me for the last 10 years in a row? Is there going to be a change there somehow? Uh, I remember the anticipation that I felt uh, when when I was making the movie Southern Gospel and I was directing it. I'm in Georgia filming. I mean, we've got all these incredible, there's like 280 something people on our cast and crew. And my assistant director is calling me the night before our, our first day of shooting and says, yeah, everyone's ready. They got the whole city set up. They've transformed it. It's ready tomorrow when you show up on set. I'd never directed a, a feature film before. I'd, I'd worked with volunteers in smaller settings. I didn't know what it was going to feel like to walk onto a movie set. And I'm the director of all these people. I'm, I could barely sleep. I'm sitting there going crazy. Imagine, what is that going to actually feel like? And the feelings when you're in the moment can be different than you expected. Uh, sometimes when you get in the moment of something you've been looking forward to, you, you don't feel like you thought you would. Has that ever happened to someone before where you feel you think it's going to be one way and it's actually a different way? I remember with Mia when she was born, I had an overwhelming sense of wonder. Uh, I was just I was literally blown away. I could not. I felt it was like an out of body experience looking at her. I felt like it was like an angel or something like I could not believe that I was in the presence of this beautiful person that, that I just met before. I was just overwhelmed at, at just a baby. That, 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 that's my child. I could not believe it. With Jude, 
there were some uh, complications that were going on and, and the medical things that I was dealing with. And I, I was so excited to see him and to meet him as well. I had that that beauty side to it, but it was really more passion and fervor and zeal. I started declaring to the doctors. I was like, no, this is not what it is. Let me tell you, I've prayed for him. I know exactly. So it was more of like a protective, spiritual protective uh, thing that kicked in when Jude, when Jude was born. So that's different than just the wonder, same experience, but a different feeling, a different reaction. When Zoe was born, there was also like a, 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 a medical kind of scare thing that took place. And Amy and I, they were telling us that something had happened that we did not know. We never heard of it. We didn't know how to process it. And there was a, a moment there where we were told that her whole life might be in jeopardy for, for a, you know, for the rest of her life. Something might happen. And like, we, we did not know what to do. So we turned on some worship music. We're, we're crying. We're believing God for a miracle. We're you know, calling mom and dad. It's like, it's a crazy, crazy moment. So that was more of a moment of helplessness. So same experience, all three of my kids, but different feelings in each circumstance. Why am I pointing that out? Because Christmas is about the incarnation. That word, that word incarnation means God putting on flesh and becoming a human being. That is what Christmas is about. It's about God choosing to come to earth to become a human being, to live the life that we could not live so that through his righteousness, he could impute his righteousness to us by our faith in him. That's really what Christmas is all about. All the celebrations and traditions, that's fine. As long as we frame Christmas correctly, that it's about who Jesus is, Jesus coming to earth. So now let's get to this moment where there's this actual baby. Jesus is this baby. We've got the wise men that come. We've got the shepherds. We've got Mary. We've got Joseph. Baby in a manger. Here's what I want to point out to you. As amazing as Jesus is, he was just a human baby at that moment. Okay? He had yet to go to the cross. Yes, he's God incarnate. But he is completely and totally a human being in that moment. Now, Isaiah 53 and 2 tells us there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Now, that's really important because all these people came hearing about the Savior, but the moment they experienced the Savior, anybody ever had somebody say, look at my new baby, and they think it's like the cutest baby in the world, like, like they, it's their baby. They're like, oh, look at her. She's, isn't she beautiful? You go, oh, my, praise God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and you're thinking in the back of your mind, you really love this baby, don't you? You think this is the most beautiful. It's like in the same kind of way. <laughs> can, are we allowed to tell the truth in church here, right? In the same kind of way. In the same, no, you're cute. You're definitely really, you're, you're, you're empirically cute. That's not even debatable. Um, <laughs> In the same kind of way, you got this baby and you got these people that have been journeying to see the Savior. And you know what happens in that moment? I'll tell you what happens. There's some people that kneel down. They go, really? That's him? This, ha this, this happened. They go, really? I, I thought he'd be like cuter. You know, or, or, or they're like, I thought there'd be like angels everywhere. 
But there's no angels. This is like kind of, you know, kind of busted, you know, situation, like kind of broke down. This is not what I was expecting. Now, certainly there might be some people that were there. They go, oh, he's perfect. He's perfect. This is amazing. So different reactions to the same thing. Are y'all kind of tracking with me here today? Some some people are probably like, he's crying a lot. Right? Because, I mean, Jesus is a a human. Little babies cry. So as we anticipate Christmas, we have to think what it's about. It's about this baby that's supposed to change us. And we need to be thinking about how it's going to feel as we come to the revelation once again that God is with us today. We need to be reminded of the incarnation every year so that we can remember every day what the incarnation means in our life. Think about it. Somebody say God with us. Think about what that means. His name, Emmanuel, God with us. It means God. The God of everything. With. What does with mean? It means that we are never alone. It means that you are not by yourself. You say nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. No, God is with. He is present in your situation. When you go to watch your Netflix show, if it's M.A., you know, you don't hear a little knock on your heart saying, excuse me, I got to step out of the room for a minute. God doesn't leave you, does he? No, he, the Bible says he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is with us. God with us. Meaning who? Those that have put their faith in Christ. We need to be reminded that that little baby gave us the opportunity to have God present with us at all times. The alpha, the omega, as Revelation chapter one says, the beginning and the end, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. So what does that mean? As we contemplate on the eve, we've got that anticipation. What does it mean is that when we finally get the revelation of what Christmas is really about, that we're going to be hit with a a shocking truth is that sometimes having God with us, there's three different things that it is. I'll give you all. I'll give them all to you right now. Number one, sometimes it's overwhelmingly beautiful. Sometimes it's underwhelmingly practical. (laughs) But then third, it's always incredibly crucial. So let's look at those for just a moment. So number one, when we get the revelation that Jesus, that baby is God with us, putting our faith in that child. Once we see him and once we get to know him, sometimes some of our response might be, oh, this is glorious. I have goosebumps. This is glorious. I'm crying in worship. I can feel his presence so strong. This is wonderful. Well, that's that's great. Take that with you. Use that for the times in your life when it's tough. It doesn't always feel like that because sometimes it's it's incredibly beautiful and overwhelmingly beautiful. But sometimes the revelation that God is with us 
is underwhelmingly practical. What does that mean? It means that we have to remember to do the right thing. We don't always feel like doing the right thing, do we? I was driving on the turnpike the other day, and this guy flicked me off, and um, he, he goes to our church, and it's, it's like, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't know that I knew him. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> it was awesome. He was like, ah, and I rolled down my window. I go like this. He goes, hi, pastor. I was like, yeah. I don't know what you're doing out there. So sometimes when I say it's underwhelmingly practical, there are times in your life that the revelation that God is with us, that's what Christmas is about. This is the revelation that we need to get today and tomorrow that helps us remember who we are as Christians throughout the year. That's why the incarnation, that's why this message is so important, is remembering God is with us through Jesus. That's the purpose of why I'm preaching to you today. So we get this revelation. Sometimes that revelation is overwhelmingly beautiful, but many times it's underwhelmingly practical. What does that mean? It means that we get up and go to church on days that we don't feel like it. Today might be one of those days for some people. Christmas Eve, that's tough for some people to come to church. Uh, or it might mean getting up and doing what you know is right. Not what you feel, but what you know is right. What is, what is it? Praying, reading the Bible, doing the things, saying, you know, everything in your mind is saying, punch this person. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no, be kind. What is that? That's, <laughs> that's underwhelmingly practical. And we just got to be practical and do what we know is right. But then three, it's always incredibly crucial that we remember God is with us. Look at someone next to you and say, God is with you. How we feel about something is never as important as how we respond to something. So, so today, how you feel about the fact that Jesus is your savior and came to earth, how you feel about it, whether you go, whoo, I'm getting excited. I want to dance. You might feel like that. You might feel like I want to shout amen. That's great. Shout amen. We're an amen church. But you might just be going, yeah, I don't know. That's good. That's fine. I'm glad. You know, that's great. That's all right. Figure out a way to not base how you live on how you feel but on how you respond to that information, respond to the fact that Jesus is your Lord. How? By honoring him in every, come on, by honoring him in everything you do, by giving him glory in every conversation you have, by, they say happy holidays, you say Merry Christmas, God bless you. By, by keeping it, making sure you keep it in front of yourself, that Jesus is the reason that you're doing this. You know, we live our life too much based on our feelings, right? And we don't live enough on what we know. We let our feelings dictate our actions, and that's very dangerous. People say, follow your heart. Yeah, follow your heart to hell. If you want to go to hell, follow your heart. Get control of your heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Guard your heart. You got to protect your heart in all situations. Get the word of God in your heart. Then you can follow the Holy Spirit who is running your heart. That's the most important thing. So when we live by our feelings, it's very dangerous. It gets us in a lot of trouble. So we have to respond not by how we feel like responding, but what we know to be right 
as described by God's word. My parents knew someone and the old days of the church, not this church. Well, actually, we did this church in the early days, but the church that we came from, they used to do this thing called homecoming and they would everyone would cook food and bring it like a potluck and the whole church would come. Can you imagine if we did that right now, how loco that would be like all the, the all the Spanish food, the redneck hamburgers. It'd be crazy. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be wild. It would be fun. But we do that at our picnic every once in a while when we have the picnic. But anyways, so this lady, this husband had a wife and she did not cook, but she was going to attempt to cook her mom's dressing recipe like like uh, some people call it stuffing. I don't know why, but it's, it's dressing. So cook dressing. And when she cooked the dressing, I don't know if you've ever had dressing that is scorched, but if you scorch dressing, it literally tastes like you were eating ashes. I'm not kidding. It it tastes like someone someone set it on fire. It is the worst tasting thing in the entire world. If you scorch it too long, all of it tastes burnt. So anyways, this lady brought her dish to the potluck. And the husband went and tried it. His mom tried it. And she said to him, she goes, oh, no, the, the dressing is scorched. So anyways, he, he went and got a serving for himself and everyone was lining up and he ate it. He ate the entire dish. He, he pretended that he loved it so much and everyone else was trying to get it. He said, no, 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 you can't have any of my wife's dressing. And he ate the whole entire thing. And his wife said, they, man, they loved my dressing. And you know, she, was, she felt great. Why? Her husband was protecting her. Her husband wanted her to feel good, didn't want her to be embarrassed. So he wasn't living on how he felt. How did he feel? He wanted to say, it tastes like you set this stuff on fire. It tastes like I'm eating an ashtray. But we don't live on how we feel, do we? Not if we want to be like Christ. So therefore, it's important that when you're dealing with the revelation every year, by the way, Easter is coming up and we get to Easter. It's important for us to contemplate the death, the burial and the resurrection of Christ. That is paramount to our year as Christians is framing that correctly in our life. We need this rhythm every year. We remember what the incarnation means. Okay, so your response to that, whether you're excited and passionate, feeling the power of the Holy Spirit is flowing off. You want to speak in tongues and give the tongues interpretation, prophecy. You want to get the gifts going in your life. I encourage you to do that. That's that's fantastic. Uh, But if you're not feeling that way, it's important that you respond correctly despite your feelings. So Isaiah 59, you know, tells us that God's hand is not the arm of the Lord is not too short that it can't save nor is ear too dull to hear but your iniquities have separated you from your God that's an important scripture because I would like to point out in closing that God is with us but are you with God are you with God are you living your life in a way that honors God in everything you're doing he is with you but are you with him I want to be present with God in a way where he hears me. He recognizes the things that I say. He hears my heart. This scripture tells us that he doesn't hear us because we're not allowing him to hear us. Our sinful life and our refusal to live in the truth in our life 
puts him in a place where he says, no, I'm going to wait until you come back into the place that I've called you to live in. It doesn't mean he's going to leave you. It just means he won't hear you. He's with you, but he's not listening. Who wants to be heard by God? I want God to hear every one of my requests. I don't, I don't want him to pass by anything. So this revelation that God is with us, but are we with him? I would encourage you today. Let's let this child change us. Amen. Let's anticipate the way this child can change us. Let's anticipate the feeling, the power of God in us. And even if we don't feel it, living it out in our life and everything we do. And Matthew 2, 11 and 12. I love this about the, the wise men. It says coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now I realize this is a strategic geographical decision to leave a different route than they came so that they did not encounter the fallout of Herod's evil plan. But the bottom line is they left after seeing Jesus, they left different than they came. That should be what happens to us today. We should leave here different. Then we came. I don't mean like whispering to your wife, you know, honey, I was going to take the turnpike home, but we're going to go straight down 192 now in Jesus name. That's not the point. It's not the point. I'm saying let's leave transformed, right? Transformed by the revelation of who Jesus is. Don't talk the same. Don't think the same. Don't act the same after today. How do we leave? Let's leave a little less critical. Can anyone say amen here today? Let's leave a little less hurt. Let's leave a little less disappointed. Let's leave a little more humble. Let's leave a little more grateful. Let's leave a little more easily impressed. Right? Aren't we tough to impress sometimes? Our standards are so high for everything. Ah, it's all right. Let's be, let's, let's be the man. That's great. Why? Because we're finding the good. We're remembering, man. What do I have to worry about? I got a savior. I got a savior. Let's remind ourselves of what's right and let's live it. I want to conclude this series, uh, Journey in the Manger. What has it led to? Hopefully it's led to this baby. His name is Jesus. And if, if it ends up at Jesus, then it's been a successful journey. Can I get an amen from someone today? I want to give every person here an opportunity to know Jesus. Knowing Jesus today is not simply raising your hand in a church service. We do that at City of Life. It's just it's really not a theological reason in terms of like finding a Bible scripture that says have people raise their hands at this particular point. We see Peter in Acts uh, giving a message where the Bible says that 3,000 people were added to the church at that moment. So it lets me know that somebody recognized that there was a difference in the people's hearts from when it started and when it end, ended. They numbered that somehow. So what I'm doing and the reason that we do this is not so that you can just boom, raise your hand. It's like, oh, they got their ticket to heaven. No, I think there are moments in services specifically like today where we talk about who Jesus is. And I believe the conviction of the Holy Spirit begins to deal with people. And I think there is a moment. The Bible teaches us in Romans. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I think you need a moment that that confession begins in your life. 
That could be in a conversation you have this week, but I believe it could start right now. That confessing that Jesus is Lord in your life. So that's what this moment in the service is, is an opportunity for you to be presented with the truth of who Christ is, of who Jesus is in that manger. God with us, Emmanuel, come to earth to save our sins. He went to that cross, lived the life we couldn't live, died a sinless life on the cross, was resurrected so that we could have faith in him and have eternal salvation through him forevermore. If you don't know Jesus today, could you bow your heads and close your eyes? Those that are watching online, I wanna give you an opportunity to know Jesus. I'm gonna count to three, and when I do, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand. I believe the Holy Spirit is gonna move in your life. It's gonna compel your heart. If you feel him knocking on the door of your heart, just open the door today and say, I'll let you in, Lord Jesus. I repent of my sins. I'm sorry for trying to save myself. I can't do it. I need a savior. Jesus, it's you. I'm gonna give you rule and reign on the throne of my heart all the days of my life. That's you. When I count to three, I'll ask you to raise your hand. Those that are watching online, please type in the chat. I'm raising my hand. I'm asking Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Our moderators want to connect with you. Here we go. One, the Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment. Three, hands up all over the room if that's you today, if you need Jesus. Hands going up in every single section. That is many, many people, perhaps dozens across the room. That's incredible. That's an awesome moment. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you with your hands lifted, could you repeat this prayer with me today? Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I'm putting my faith in Christ Jesus. I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life with you, Lord. I will never be the same. Thank you, God, that you were Emmanuel. You were here with me. I make a decision today to not live my life guided by my feelings but my response, living a life that is consistent with your word and your will and your Holy Spirit in every situation I'm in. I leave here changed, going a different way than I came. In Jesus' name, Jesus. amen. amen. Could we give God a great praise today? He's worthy. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.